Instructional Designers and in Offices Drinking Coffee is brought to you by Domino, makers of Domino One, the cloud-based authoring tool for e-learning. Learn how your team can work together better at domino.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-K-N-O-W.com. Now, here's this week's episode. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. Get your dancing chairs on, folks. Yeah, no oh, chairs. Paul's saying no music in the chat. Interesting. What? Well, if you guys were here, you'd hear the music. Oh, Tashar says he can hear it. That's cool. Um, gang, we're, we're, we're dealing with a little bit of... Um, change because Crowdcast uh, has added some features and new things, etc. And so we're getting used to this new thing. So maybe there's some some things that we need to still sort out. But uh, yeah, yeah, Pam and Sarah Look. are dancing with us. Awesome. That's fabulous. Shark can hear it. Yeah, he's dancing. Phew. So Paul, maybe do a quick refresh of your browser, maybe. I guess the more important thing is the music is over, but the voices are, are still here. If that's working <laughs> for you, then maybe don't break anything after that so. and jennifer says yeah maybe having two brents uh broke the beat yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, might, that might be there might be something going on yep 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 yeah, yeah wow crazy well we did get some early um weather reports rolling into the chat um mm-hmm. while we were uh listening for the audio and stuff to come in but uh chris what's happening today with uh with what we got going on who's our guest today? Well, what's happening well, as was pointed out in the chat, um, we have two Brents. And I think this is the first time we've had two Brents ever. Um, I believe so. On, on today's show. Yeah, folks. Um, folks, we have Brent Newhall with us here today. Uh, Brent, give us um, your introduction to our gang since it's your first time joining us. You bet. So hello, everyone. My name is Brent Newhall. Um, probably I got my start. Well, I'm a software developer by trade. Um, so got a... Uh, a computer science degree back in the early days of what well, we will go back that far. Um, but then funny story, when after I graduated um, college, I went to a career fair and there was a table there for the local adult education. Um, and I went and said, are you guys hiring? They're like, no, no, no. Folks just, you know, want to take extra courses after they graduate and so forth. Walked past and I still don't know why I did it. But I turned around, I remember today, like it was yesterday, came back and said, can people sign up to teach classes? They're like, sure, we have the forms for you. So like right out of college, I signed up to teach night courses in like programming and things like that. I was like, I just got taught how to, I just got taught how how to do these things. I can teach it. So I taught kind of night courses off and on for a long time. Um, did that, but had a, a great career as a programmer, doing a whole bunch of different things. Uh, worked for a bunch of different uh, cool companies, Amazon, contractor for NASA, a lot of cool things. Um, but then about five, six years ago, I was like, you know what? I, I think it's time for my next career change. And started looking around and realized, you know, I really have a that passion for teaching. I was still teaching off and on nights, basically. I thought maybe it's time to pursue that full time. So... Uh, took on a couple of different, uh, couple of different jobs in that area, and uh, now I'm working uh, over at Capital One 
on a, uh, a really, really cool program working there for a couple of years. And that's been my, really where I've been able to flex a lot of these instructional design muscles and really get kind of deep into a lot of these things based on a lot of that, that past experience. So that's kind of the, the high level. Very cool. Um, very neat that you just, you know, that little coincidence. I've mm -hmm. often sort of semi-sarcastically said that about our industry, it's a, it's a space that many of us get into sideways, right? Yeah. Um, and my, my punchline or my joke line often is like, you know, a career day at, in high school, there was not a, a booth for instructional designers or mm -hmm. for, for training, et cetera. Um, your experience almost puts the myth to it, but at least I'm, I'm glad I can still hold <laughs> on to the, the truth of that because they were selling or, or, or offering adult education mm -hmm. as opposed to giving you the career <laughs> yeah, yeah. officially. And then anyway, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, very cool. And I will mention to our gang here today that uh, that Brent, the guest, <laughs> is is not up uh, is not 100%. He's, he's been ill for the last little bit, and he's doing a brave job by joining us here today. Um, so hopefully we can uh, we can persevere. But if if um, you know if, if things don't work out so great, gang, we'll uh, we'll go as far as we can and uh, reschedule a, a follow up episode if need be. Brent, uh, Brent, the guest is being a real trooper uh, here today. So. <laughs> I'm also going to point out because th this is uh, this is different a little bit that. Uh, um, you're coming to us from your workshop here today. It's true. As most people from the home office, but uh, mm -hmm. you're in your workshop. Um, and I don't know also that we've had a guest uh, who's actually had a 3D printer in the background before. Yeah, it's over there somewhere. Yeah, um, lots of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, so it seems that you keep yourself busy. <laughs> With projects, perhaps. Yes. Pro perhaps, yes, indeed, indeed. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're, we are talking about project-based learning mm -hmm. um so maybe let's do you have like a definition of that or a, or a description sure. that you start from uh, when you're talking about this so i like to start by looking at assessment in general right like how do we know if people are learning the thing we're teaching basically um i think that's kind of the one of the fundamental things that i think a lot of folks instructional design is interesting um and like this field is so interesting because i think a lot of folks come into it and you're generally not designing a program from scratch when you land on your on your job right it's not like okay figure everything out from from the get-go you have something already set up that you're you know updating or whatever and so the assessments are usually already built in um and there's not a lot of 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 i don't want to say not a lot of thought but there's not a lot of space to change that and so that was really where I, I came in on the program I'm working on, which full disclosure, so it's a, it's a six month software development bootcamp is basically where I'm working right now. Uh, it's where a lot of these, these lessons kind of came to me. So we, we bring in folks basically out of college, uh, teach them software development and then uh, move them into software development uh, careers. Hmm. So the question is, okay, cool. We sit them down and teach them software development. How do we know if they're actually learning better? Um, and originally one of our main assessments was literally a 50 question quiz. You would give them once at the beginning and once at the end. And I would say, okay, if you got, you know, 10 correct on the first one and then 40 correct on the last one, great. You obviously learned. Um, really, could you, could you say that, that, you know, <laughs> how much does that really prove anything? So for me, project-based assessment means that you are giving your learners a practical 
project a practical task to complete that is as close to their, um, I'm going to say their intended job, for lack of a better term, their, their intended task at, at work. Um, and they are graded on how well they complete that task. So it's not simply answering questions, it's doing the work and being graded on the work itself. Uh, and that's one of the, my, my big things, I think that's a way more effective way of assessing things. Um, oh, for sure. Um, such a, you know, with that fidelity to the actual job practice, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So let me just check too. I mean, so you've got folks who have graduated from mm -hmm. a program, mm -hmm. um, but then they're actually, so they're actually hired and mm -hmm. are employees during this six month um it, it, training period so what kind of what, is it just that there's still skill gaps when they're coming out of a program or is it or is it more that you want to do it this is our way and, and we're immersing you into that so this is one of the interesting things about software development world uh there are there are so many openings and so few people we're actually hiring people who did not get computer science or traditional degrees oh okay. we're hiring people who got math degrees or history degrees or whatever but have a passion for tech they're interested in it they want to learn programming and we're like cool come on in we will teach you programming like you obviously mm -hmm. have the discipline to complete a four-year college degree that's not gonna be a problem so we're just going to kind of give you that next step of, of learning programming and moving you on from there okay that's cool that, that and mm -hmm. that helps me under for definitely helps you understand because uh yeah in typical circumstances, yeah. you would presume. <laughs> so I didn't know if it was more like uh, internal, you know, approaches or something that you were refining. But uh, yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, in which case, I can understand why people might struggle to get ten out of fifty mm. on a test coming in. <laughs> well, and and this is you one know. of the things is that it's, um, and in fairness, and I, I will probably use, you know, my my current position as both a, a shining example and also is kind of a how not to do it. Um, and so, you know, please appreciate that. And, and I, I say that not in the, the sense that we were doing things wrong, but in the, in the sense that we learned over time, right? We, yeah, no, I was just things. gonna say, I, I think it's fantastic that you even mentioned that because a lot of people are so afraid to say that. And I'm always looking for people to talk about their, mm. their learning opportunities that they've mm -hmm. experienced. <laughs> and that's the thing, like I totally understood coming in that the whole idea of, okay, we have folks coming in, they have no idea about necessarily about programming. Let's give them a quick test to see where they are. And then once they're done with we'll a quick test of similar questions to see where they ended up, like that totally makes sense. And the idea was it's a, you know, it would take maybe two hours total to complete the test along the various things you know, quick thing at the beginning, quick thing at the end, whatever. Turns out, you know, you get hired at a job and the first thing you're told is to take a test to see how well you know the thing that you don't know yet, right? <laughs> like imagine the stress levels in that room. <laughs> and then six months later, you're like, okay, get together, take this one test and that'll tell you, it, that'll tell us if you got it. And obviously we had other assessments over the course of the program, but just the stress levels increased you know, really high. And the more we dug into that, the more we realized this probably isn't like really an effective thing because of all of the, and we all know about all the, the issues with standardized testing, that the, you know, um, uh, the, that stress level changes how well people can actually do on the test, all that kind of stuff. So it just wasn't 
the best way of doing that, even though, again, the folks putting it together, like I came in and I was like, yep, makes sense. Let's do it. Cool. Um, but just practically speaking, didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul's asking a, a, a question in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, you already know that they don't know, or why else are mm-hmm. they in training <laughs> to a certain mm-hmm. degree? <laughs> but I could see where the, the logic, though, behind it of saying, okay, this is the difference in, exactly. in knowledge. You know, the way that people use post pre and post testing, right? Um, you know, one of those strategies being to show change in in score therefore representing change in knowledge or change in understanding and and effectiveness of the training intervention exactly exactly and we would tell them you know on that that monday morning hey you can get a zero on this and that was fine guess what (laughs) after 16 years of going through tests that are supposed to tell you how well you're doing that doesn't matter (laughs) like they don't actually (laughs) it doesn't go under stress levels at all so that doesn't alleviate the stress. What? Strange, strange. So, mm. and, and again, like it's not that it wasn't a, it did yield useful data points, but that was really our end to realizing mm, those sorts of things. We also have stuff like, um, it's something that we, we evolved over time is we, we would give them asynchronous materials to go through. Um, so if we were teaching them how to write, um, um, how to connect to a database, for example, we would have uh, we would have training on that, but then also asynchronous material they could read on on the side, and then that would end with a little quiz. Uh, and so the idea was you're supposed to complete all of those quizzes at some point. We'd have some some broad deadlines for those. Get you know, this chunk done by then, this chunk done by then, um, and then we started looking at those quizzes and realized, you know, I don't know how effective those are at really um, getting across how well they've learned those things. That was kind of a lot of the the internal look at a lot of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, so give us a sense then of, of, of what, uh, you know, that six months involves in terms of, I'm, I'm going to bet it's actually projects, plural probably, instead yeah. of singular, right? Um, exactly. But give us a sense then of, of how you, uh, you know, what you folks have changed to doing. Sure, exactly. Uh, so what we've done is we, we used to, we, we kind of went the other direction is, well, not went the other direction, but we used to give them a little daily assignment. So they would have a little practical task to complete every day. So if you're if you're building web web pages, for example, we say, okay, create a table of rows and columns with clothes in them, whatever. And is that micro know, project based? Exactly, a little micro project. And we give that to them at the end of every day. And so classes are done at three, they have from three to five to kind of complete that project. And if it got done early, great. Um, and that turned out to be useful, but really time consuming hmm. because you had to now grade all of those things every day, right? Uh, and at the time we didn't have really any way of automatically grading those. It was literally just hand them out to instructors and have them just grade them and figure it out. We also, have, we also had a 100 point grading s- scale for that, which is a whole nother thing we can talk about. But anyway, um, so what we've, we've ended up with is we have weekly projects. Uh, so basically at the end of every week, uh, the, our, our learners are given basically a full day to complete one project. And that is a pretty complete um, application, website, something along those lines. Uh, at the beginning, those are obviously much more simple. It is doing a little text-based game, for example. And then as that builds up, it's more building websites, connecting databases, all that kind of good stuff. And so we designed them to be done in about a day, you know, four to eight hours worth of effort, depending on where you are in the program and how far along you are. And 
then we also have a week-long unit project every month or so throughout the project. So four of those throughout the course of the project, uh, uh, course of the, the program. And so those give us a nice baseline of, okay, now you've got multiple days to work on something, to design something from scratch, to really do it on your own. The weekly projects are, are more specified. So we give them specific requirements. You must do these 12 things. The unit projects are much more build something. And it has to have a database, it has to have a web page, it has to have an interface, it has to have a login. But beyond that, it's up to you, all the features and functionality. So we found those two things have given us a uh, really effective kind of approach to, to seeing a lot of this stuff. Very cool. How, um, when you, uh, Pam asks a great question in the chat, she says, how is the on the job evaluation managed? And I'm, I'm kind of feeling like I'm late to the table on that. Like you may have already covered it, but, um, mm. um when we say on the job evaluation, um, it's a little complicated because our learners are, Our learners are eventually placed on various teams. They actually go into a rotational program. So they go, they go into several different teams over the course of time uh, as part of our sort of general um, new software developer program. So basically, they come in, they're given a, um, a team, and then after a while, they transition to another team. And so they're, they're given a couple different options. Um, because of that, we don't have a specific spot that they're like guaranteed to land on. In other words, it's not like you are now gonna be building front-end web pages that handle credit card accounts you know, when you land on your job. So we have to be a lot more generic about that. We can't really say, okay, you are ideal for a particular job. We have to more say you have solid software engineering skills, uh, programming skills for wherever you're gonna end up. Uh, so we can't really assess what their on the job kind of performance is going to be. It's more how well are they learning the material we're, we're teaching them and then trying to now synchronizing what we're learning with business goals is a whole other interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say there's, yeah. that, there's that and then there's feedback from the managers too, right? Like right. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you trained up this person, you sent them to us mm -hmm. and they're either doing great or they're doing poorly. And I was just wondering when I read sure. Pam's question, that was mm -hmm. where my mind was going mm -hmm. as far as, you know, um, you know, do you get some of that feedback back so you can kind of adjust and everything? Oh, cool. You absolutely do. Um, and that's always a, a conversation because yeah. on the one hand, you know, you'll get some folks, people can only see like their team, right? So that they'll, so we'll ask them, what do you want? And they'll say, well, ideally I want somebody who knows Java inside and out and who can program microcontrollers. And it's like, great, but, and, and, and they'll say this, but I know not every other team needs that, right? So it's, it's that, that middle ground between figuring out what are the specific skills and what are the general skills that they're looking for. Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the general conversation is, um, trying to kind of get that high level view of what are those fundamentals. One of the things we've actually been evolving over time is giving the learners more choice. So now something I pioneered is during that, that fourth unit, that fourth block, they can choose several different technologies to specialize in. They can say, I want to go into machine learning. I want to go into mobile. I want to go into something else. And so they can kind of specialize that. And that doesn't guarantee they'll end up on a machine learning team the next, you know, the next go around but at least gives them some place to kind of um, aim for and then 
you know, the folks taking them in can take that into consideration. Very cool. Yeah. So Pam, Pam asked sort of a follow-up then, uh, mm. and I think it's um, a kind of a summary of what you're saying. So individuals are trained as generalists, but then may ultimately land in a role where they acquire or require specialized and more focused skills then after that. They will certainly land in a role yeah. requiring more specialized skills. Yeah. Okay. And, and in fairness, like that, and these, these are all internal programs. Everybody recognizes that something coming out of our programs called CODA will um will will need some spin-up time. But then on the other hand, any software developer coming out of a you know four-year mm -hmm. institution is gonna need some spin-up time on the exact sure. things that team is doing. So that's okay. You know, that people understand that. Yeah, yeah. It's very um, cool that you guys do that, that you have that program for employees i just i just want to toss that in there as a as, as major kudos we don't often hear about uh you know the cool things that corporations are doing as far as training yep. and training up employees I, I i hear more about people fighting and getting mad that mm. their ceos or their you know they don't let us do enough training or, or there aren't enough opportunities right we hear a lot of that it's rare that we hear that there is opportunities inside of large hmm. companies like that so yeah um it's a very popular program done. and i mean they come in as full you know capital one associates like they are full-time employees they're getting paid to learn um so it's not like you know you have to now pay another hundred thousand dollars right or whatever for for that training um, yeah so it's, it's a nice deal yeah and does the 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 projects that you guys are working with then do they also include aspects or or um teaching people i guess basically the other sort of things that wrap around software development such mm -hmm. as i don't know agile and sprint cycles or, or you know uh, whatever whatever kinds of that project management that that kind of uh stuff too good question what we've done with that is we folded that more into those unit projects those week-long mm -hmm. projects we, we've had a really difficult time um putting those into those individual weekly projects because they're so short because folks need to be able to focus on one thing at a time, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so we found the more we we the more we folded into those weekly projects, the more folks got scattered and had a difficult time getting a lot of stuff done. So we try to make sure the weekly project, for example, one of the things we we keep uh, reminding uh, our instructors is weekly projects have no optional requirements. Here are the twelve things you need to do. Do those. Often, especially with new instructors, they'll say, well, let, let's give them some suggestions. Mm -mm -mm. Like, that just confuses the issue. People get, well, is this really optional? What are they really asking me to do? Does this give me like extra credit? Like, no, just tell them what they need to do. If they want to do more, great. And we will tell them that. Um, indeed, we have uh, one, of, one of the important things about our weekly projects is that we have this system. And I'm still trying to come up with like a pithy name for it, but it's basically, um, um, simple grades lots of feedback um so our grading scale is proficient not proficient that's it no a b c d f no num whatever it is proficient non-proficient you get a chance to resubmit so if you got a, a non-proficient you can fix it and resubmit to get a proficient um but then we also provide a detailed list of here's everything we saw here's everything you got right here's everything we would suggest changing here are some suggestions for the future i noticed you're doing this um it's okay but it might be less efficient in the future all that kind of stuff and that is actually delivered in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with their grader 
So mm -hmm. they actually sit down every week with their grader to go over the project they, they, they previously submitted to get that detailed feedback. In my opinion, that's one of the, one of the things we get a lot of uh, programs get sort of backwards on is they're like, we want to have this really detailed grading scale, but then not provide all those comments because that's mm. work. But that detailed grading scale, it ends up being so arbitrary. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got an yeah, 87, yeah. he got an 86. What is that? Um, but it's the comments that we, we found our learners really, really bad. And it, in the in the case of something like like programming, we we think of it as somewhat cut and dried. But when you're starting to put complex parts together, etc., yeah. Um, and and these folks haven't got that background to be able to even know maybe sometimes some of the things that they didn't, um, uh, uh, you know, they might have achieved something. But you know, here's the efficiencies. That's that's the crucial crucial learning and the crucial you know growth there once they've gotten to a certain point for sure. Absolutely, and that's one of the interesting things about programming actually is that. Um, a lot of what you write in code is meant for other people. It's mm. not just meant for the compiler or the computer to, to run. You know, somebody else is going to come along six months later and add something else to your thing. So a lot of what we're teaching folks is not how to write it correctly. It's how to document it and write it effectively for consumption by other people. So that's a lot mm. of that commentary. It's not just, it, it, it is cut and dried in terms of the functionality, but we have a whole other section of saying, you need to be clear with what you write. You need to indent and space things correctly. You need to leave comments because otherwise the next person's not gonna have any idea what you wrote. So there's a lot of that interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I way no, I, I'm not a programmer, but uh, you know, Domino's mm -hmm. a software company, and and way way back I heard it described to, to by uh, by someone as as you're 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 creating something, but uh, not only just to make it work, but also to make sure that six months from now somebody else can fix it or change it. Yeah. Exactly, um, and and you know that's just um, it makes just so much sense, I guess, in the in the context of. Um, I think sometimes we organization. we forget that in our little bubble of instructional design and learning and development, that whole uh, maintenance piece sometimes gets um, gets left off. But but the just talking about the instructional design aspect of it got me thinking too about. Um, obviously you're a coder, so you understood what it's like to, to learn coding or computer mm -hmm. programmer, right? And then this is what you go in and you start to train. Is anybody else in the organization come to you and said, wow, you know, cause it seems kind of obvious to a certain extent that you want to do projects when you're talking mm -hmm. about training for coding and whatnot, right? But mm -hmm. are there other content areas within the organization where they're like, Hey, maybe we can do the same thing. Do you have any, can you help us? We've been, we've been talking to other teams about this and it's interesting because like as you say it's kind of obvious for, for more for other things you get into like hr and it's like okay how exactly <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, kind of where i was going with around that yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah so one of the things we do <clears throat> one of the things I, I recommend a lot is you can still do scenario-based assessment you can say in this situation, you know, what would you do? And leave it more open-ended. You know, it's not a matter of um, HR is a good example. It's not a matter of saying in this situation, this is the correct answer. It's more in the situation, what are effective paths and what are ineffective paths? What are what are some things you wouldn't want to do in the situation? What are some things that would help? So it is giving folks that view, and a lot of it is that center knowledge transfer 
stuff that we, we often hear about is, okay, you learned the thing. Can you transfer that to a new domain, can you, to, to a new situation effectively? There's a great uh, thing from a hundred years ago. There was uh, a uh, educator in Europe who was going around to different uh, uh, classes and was asking them about geology and said, um, okay, everyone, what is the diameter of the earth? And they all just stared at him. And this is like sixth grade or something. He said, they should, they should know this. And he goes, no, 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 they know it. All right, what's the diameter of the earth? Nothing. <laughs> the diameter of the earth is what? What the instructor said. And they all responded. Because they learned that that's how the question is phrased and that's how what you should answer that question, right? Um, and there's so much out there where we learn this sort of stimulus response answer, but not the actual knowledge transfer into the actual domain. So, it's sort of Pavlovian, I think. Exactly. Is, uh... yep. <laughs> um, and Ring you know, the bell ago, and the kids will answer. Um, so that's a lot of what I see is figuring out how to get beyond the, the simple question answer format, even if it's, we're gonna rephrase the question to putting people into situations, even theoretically, even in a question, and then telling them, okay, what, what are some potential responses there? And it's getting beyond, again, true, false to more, okay, let's give you 10 different potential responses here, and you tell me what some of the good or, 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 or bad ones are, so to speak. Uh, and then we'll kind of grade based on what that is. And Exactly. Uh, case studies, anonymous is saying. A lot of that is, I think, really. And it, it's interesting, too, uh, that it, it, you kind of touched on this earlier the mm -hmm. amount of time to do this type of assessment, right? I, I think this is one of those sort of hidden roadblocks or. Um, oh, I heard a great word for it on a podcast yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. The things that slow us, the things that in our head that make us decide to um to not do the things that we would like mm. to be do the resistance that's the word i'm resistance. looking for yep. hard with words this morning more yep. coffee needed uh mm. uh but yeah so like i think that's we all know that that, that you know offering up those open-ended solutions and having people present them with a scenario and allow them to communicate back somehow whether it's in writing or whatever we all kind of know that that's the best way to assess it but that requires so much extra time on behalf of the training department or whatever we want so desperately to automate all of it so we can just push <laughs> a button send yeah. the course out they take it we get data back and then mm -hmm. magically everything is good they learn they go on the job but that's not really the way it works do you do you come up with that sort of resistance and how do you push through or how do you get support for the extra resources to do that kind of assessment? Absolutely. So um, quick resource, a book called The Distributed Classroom. I don't know if you guys have read this. Um, it's a really good book by um, some folks who built some, um, they were inspired by kind of the, the MOOC model to build something similar at, I think, MIT. Um, and they talk through a lot of the instructional design challenges around providing um, providing high quality higher education um, ed education at scale 
while still providing you know assessment and so forth. Um, and their sort of view is that basically they have automated everything except the grading effectively. Actually, that's not, that's something that's not true either. Their their approach is basically they said this is definitely something to do more in programming in other, in other places. Is that they have automated all the grading aspects, but they make sure that there is still a one-on-one -on -one mentor um, um, feature available. So there is still somebody to go over your your submission all the time, all the way through. And as they scale up, they add more essentially TAs to that pool to make sure people have that. And they said that is their limiter, is that it's not anything else, it's not the instructor, or whatever. It is making sure folks have that that option. Um, so that's one of the, um, the big things. Um, so to that, what I tell people is basically, and I'm going to get a little, um, a little forceful here. <laughs> if we're all agreed that the best way to do this is to actually give people, you know, rich one-on-one -on -one assessment we should do that even if it's not easy <laughs> you know right like 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 if we're all agreed like i'm not gonna say let's just do it tomorrow right like we don't have to figure out how to do that that's fine but if the argument is well that's not as easy as what i do today i would argue that's not sufficient right right so, but practically speaking what, what i tell folks is this is something you can you can get to you know, you can start looking at your materials and say, okay, what would that look like, you know, in six months, in a year, in five years? How can we get closer to that? How can we restructure things? Uh, one of the things we've been working on actually is figuring out how to automate the simple stuff, right? So how can you easily grade the basic things? How can you easily assess that? So, for example, for um, um, something math-based, you know, can they provide that to you in a form that you can then plug into software? To then you know run the actual calculations they do and then you're still giving them the feedback on that but a lot of that stuff is automated um so a lot of those kinds of things um in english departments we're seeing this uh, more and more where it's like you can you can run that through a you know a tool to check for basics of grammar and comprehension and so forth and so on and not have to provide that detailed feedback yourself you're looking for how well you're making the argument right um yep. so it's that kind of, uh, of element i would say if that answers the question at all i'm not sure yeah um and i think uh, you know i'm gonna throw throw in one thing that you have in mm. your you know to your advantage and, and that's the mm. in your case the organization has a clear pain right mm -hmm. and that's getting software developers and that affects yep. the bottom line that affects product you know all of those mm -hmm. things yep. so um producing those internally um you, you're not having the same conversations about budget you know and i'm not saying you, you know you're being written a blank check but yeah. the pain that the organization feels makes a clear case for yeah. doing what you're you know you know for what you're doing for the organization where sure. um you know that can be a challenge in some cases so yeah, um, I'm interested um, as well. So you guys have been, something was being done one way and now you're doing something, doing it differently, et cetera. Um, let's, talk, let's talk results, you know, how, how, what kind of changes or improvements, you know, what kind of data measurements or something have you guys got, you know, for the before and after? 
Sure. So we can speak on that in a couple of different ways. One is that um, is we pull our learners a lot. And so one of the things we, we, we know a lot is kind of the general stress levels and the general mm -hmm. sort of frustrations in general with things. And the first thing we found is that when, when we dropped that um, assessment at the beginning and the end, stress levels just dropped throughout like, the entire program. Everyone's like, thank you. Um, and stress obviously correlates with a lot of different learning outcomes. Um, in general, throughout the organization, what we hear is that our learners um, remain sort of on par with other um, software developers coming in from you know, four-year uh, degrees. And obviously that shifts a little bit up and down over time, but we've, we've, we've been able to maintain that. More importantly, within the program, we are able to identify learners who need assistance much, much, much more quickly. And that's been one of the big things to be able to go back to management to, to say is to say, we can um, we can ensure that the folks who come out of this program have gotten all the support they need instead of having you know 98% fine and then 2% are just kind of floundering and oh, well, maybe it'll all be okay. No, we've, we've identified them and made sure they're um, either they're okay or they're not okay. You know, we've kind of figured all that out um, before the end of the program. And so we're not passing them on to those managers for them to deal with. You know, we can kind of deal with that before it, it goes on to everyone else. So it's that the differentiation and it's classic instructional thing. What are you actually producing, right? What, what are your actual requirements? There's usually a huge list of requirements that aren't actually on the requirement list. And so for us, there's a lot of that of, of saying, yes, you want the software skills. We also want people who are prompt, people who can communicate in teams, people who can um, let you know ahead of time if things aren't going well, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of things that now with these weekly projects, we can identify these much more quickly because we're seeing those patterns in those projects. We're seeing, you know, you know, you had, a, you had, you know, a couple of days to complete this and you didn't start until the afternoon of the last day. We can talk about that now partway through the program instead of that being something that um, only kind of comes out, so to speak, once they hit their, their full teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, that feedback loop, I yeah. think, is probably the most critical part of mm -hmm. that process, right? Because typically when you get into the corporate space, it's if you don't do something, if you're given a task and you do it wrong, that's a failure and you get punished mm -hmm. and people kind of freak out about that, right? But when yeah. you're given a task as a as a learning opportunity and even it could even be a real task but it just has um minimal um negative impact if you do something wrong right mm -hmm. having that feedback loop so that somebody is there to just instead of you know slap your wrist and and you know <laughs> give you a, a bad you know review they yeah. say oh no i see you know you're learning how to communicate in teams. I, I see you're mentioning some things that we don't really, you know, that that's not really how we use teams to communicate or whatever, you know, getting some 
just getting some constructive feedback, you know, it, no matter what sort of environment it, it's in, I think is something that I just, I always like to push with folks because we forget that part of the learning, right? It's mm -hmm. that, and, and that it's ongoing and we need to keep that in the loop. Absolutely. Um, I want to mention, uh, Jessica asked a question 15 minutes ago. Um, are you grading using e-learning as well? Or is it a separate quiz program? That's just something kind of fun about our program. We've evolved. Like we use a variety of tools. Um, we, one of our views is we're very agnostic about the tools we use. So it's a variety of different things, kind of whatever makes sense for us in, in the time. Um, we're pretty pretty open to that. We have a variety of different things that, that we use uh, in the program. And I actually recommend folks not get too worried about what tools they have. Um, leverage whatever tools you do have to, to make this work. Look for other tools that might be useful. That's, that's great too. But usually, um, being able to assess people effectively is more a question of process than tool. And I think Very that cool. is a fantastic spot for us to <laughs> tell everybody who actually makes sure that this <laughs> podcast happens every week, Chris. Well, gang, speaking of tools, Brent and I are tools. No, wait, Brent and I work for Domino <laughs> Learning Systems. We do offer an e-learning authoring uh, platform. There's a link below the uh, the link below the chat. And as we talk here, I'll throw another link into the chat as well. Um, also, if you're new to us here, don't hesitate to join us in the LinkedIn group. And Brent will toss a link in for that into the chat. Um, and, and Brent Newell, thanks so much for joining us. Um, it's been a fabulous conversation. It you're does very seem welcome. very appropriate to end up talking about tools. And here you are yeah. dialing in from your workshop. There uh, we go. It's, it's, it's the you know full circle experience that we that we offer here on, on, on instructional designers with toolboxes <laughs> especially being sick we give you extra yes. major kudos oh. for being here while under the weather you are a yeah yeah thank you so much for for your endurance today obviously we, we hope you feel better soon thank you glad to be here hope, hope to come back some awesome absolutely so yeah thank you so much for doing that and everybody thank you for the great chat man oh man you guys were just rocking today we had a group it is uh it is another wednesday we've only got a couple more idiotic left before the holidays so be sure to save your spot Adios, everybody.